Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. We need to talk about something. Constipation, abdominal pain, and bloating. If these symptoms come back again and again and you don't know why, then it may be time to seek help. Go to ohmygut.info slash podcast where you can learn more about your symptoms and access a doctor online. That's ohmygut.info slash podcast. Do you want to be more informed about what's happening in the world? Meet The Skim, a daily email newsletter that has everything you need to start your day. In just five minutes, you get the major news and events explained in a quick, easy way. Plus, it's free and delivered right to your inbox. I'm signed up, and I greatly enjoy it. Subscribe at theskim.com slash stories. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com slash stories. Be entered to win a $50 Visa gift card. Hello to everybody eating in their 1950s living room. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. It's Chris Gather. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous try to get through this intro without my voice giving out too hard. See how it goes. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for supporting the show. I will say last week's episode, the caller uh, talked about what it was like to raise a child with Down syndrome, and it was very impactful and meaningful, and I got very emotional, and many of you did too, but I got to say in those Facebook comments, it was very, very eye-opening and cool for me to see how many people said they got something out of it, both learning and outside perspective, and also a lot of people who said, I'm in the same boat, my child, my sibling, uh, people in our lives who are, who are special needs. Uh, it was it was just cool to see that it meant something to you guys. So thank you for listening and supporting. Speaking of the Facebook group, I uh, want to thank Sydney, who drew a, a image of me riding a bear while dressed as a ranger in tribute to a uh, Glandon Oakfoot, my D&D character from the D&D episode a couple weeks back. Thank you for that. It's ridiculous. If you're in New York City, I'm going to put something out here. This may be a bad idea, but everybody knows I love to do bad ideas. Uh, We have a new advertiser on the show. This is not part of the advertisement. They're actually advertising next week. Airbnb is doing this thing where uh, they're not just selling lodging anymore. They're selling these guided adventures. And they're going to be advertising that on the show next week. I thought it was really in the spirit of the show in the sense that you can go and hang out with strangers. So I'm actually doing one of these things uh, tomorrow night. This is being released on Tuesday, May 21st. Wednesday, May 22nd, they have a, a Jackson Heights food tour. Everybody knows I live in Jackson Heights, and I'm always talking about the food. If you want to sign up, you'll, you can go see it on Wednesday, May 22nd. The name of the tour is Eat Street Food After Dark in NYC. It's in Jackson Heights, Queens. From 7.30 to 10.30, you'll see it. If you're the first one to get there, you'll see three of 10 spots are taken. Maybe you want to buy one of those other seven spots. Listeners of the show, come hang out, eat food with me. 
in Queens. We'll walk around. It'll be fun. Now, this week's episode, I am very happy about it. I remember this taping quite well. I found it quite fun. The caller, as many of our callers, uh, is, is, you know, figuring out life, figuring out where things are going to go. Many questions. And it was an interesting talk. I will say, I'm going to put it out there and say that I find out early that this uh, caller works in the world of theme restaurants. And I flip out and I steamroll the call more than I usually do. I will say, because I got very excited, because I find theme restaurants to be fascinating and hilarious. And there are major stretches of this where I just uh, get really manic and start shouting about my favorite theme restaurants throughout the country. And I want to apologize to the caller because I don't know that you wanted to spend all that time hearing my opinions on different ridiculous restaurants, but I'm glad you put up with me. And I will ask, if you're uh, out there and you're a fan, either tweet at me or leave a message on Instagram or preferably join the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the community. Let me know about your favorite theme restaurants in your cities and your towns because I travel all the time doing stand-up and I want to eat at crazy, ridiculous theme restaurants. So let me know your favorites and enjoy this call. It's a fun one. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, Chris. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Hmm, what's going on? I mean, that is a, that quite, the answer is too long for that. I, I always try to be honest, but I, uh, my whole life is insane right now is what's going on, but for beautiful reasons. So that's what's going on. <laughs> How are you? What's going on with you? I'm, oh man, uh, like it's feeling good. I it's it's funny. I you probably know this feeling of like you feel like there's a lot going on, but you've gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it you're like I to me it doesn't feel like too much. But I guess maybe to um, sometimes when I sit down and describe it to other people, they're like, "Oh, that's a lot," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I guess so." I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been. Are you a workaholic like me? You pile on too much and then don't realize it, and then it all collapses at once. Yeah, or I start to feel it, and then, um, yeah, that's kind of, I've, you know, it's physically run myself into the ground, especially, like, earlier this year. Um, like, yeah, I've, I've gotten, now gotten to the point where I've uh, physically broken myself a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> from working too much. That's yeah. not good. What type, yeah, of, what type well, of work do you do? Um, I do painting and prop making and like, you know, like a, like I'm a maker essentially kind of. So, uh, like I've done some carpentry work and, um, but it's made like my main focus is doing like, especially right now is mainly, you know, like scenic painting, you know, like in TV and film and, um, uh, and yeah. And then I do prop making when I can of just kind of like grabbing random pieces and assembling different things, uh, for different projects. So, um, yeah. And I've, Gosh, it's, I've been like, since I graduated college, I had like three months at home with my parents of uh, figuring stuff out. And then I got my first job and then I've just been like working ever since. And it's been like, I think eight years now um, of just like, you know, jumping from job to job and moving all over the country for it. And I can, I, I know there's a few different ways that what you're describing can manifest itself. I know that on my end, I can speak to it in the sense of TV sets have to get built. And I don't mean TV sets like the box that sits in your house. I mean like a set of a television <laughs> show. 
And I know with my yeah. sister, you have it's a, it's a it's a harder job than people might realize because what happens is this whole production the whole production gets up and running. People know what they want. They think about the set, but when they call you, they're like, "Okay, here's what we want." You have three and a half days to effectively build a building inside a studio, go find all the materials and then build it. And then you kind of work around the clock yeah. until it's built, right? That's that's what happened with my show. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like I, for to, you know, to get a little more specific, but not too specific, like most of, I've done a little bit of TV and film, but most of my work has been like for private clients or um, what they call like, you know, or like kind of themed attractions or themed like uh, restaurants and that kind of thing. So, um, but the best, like the, I guess like the best way to describe it is I literally had a job where I got a call from a guy I didn't know. And he's like, I need some people or, you know, I already have a team that's building stuff, but I need more people. I hear, hear you're good at that. Can you come to this address like later in the day? And I'm like, sure. And I show up and it's just like, you know, a bare bones, small warehouse where like, you know, it's a production office where they kind of just set up desks and start working and don't worry too much about decorating. And it was very dimly lit. And then there was a bunch of stuff in the back, uh, like piles and piles of stuff from like, you know, junkyards and stuff. And it was, uh, you know, oh, we have this themed restaurant we're, we're working on and I need this, 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 this. And here's a pile of garbage I've collected from these, the junkyards in town. I need you to, can you build these things? Like, no technical drawings, no, like, a few conversations, a few, a little bit of an outline, and it was like, no. Oh. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and, yeah, it's, it's a lot of times it's, like, even, yeah, not as official as <laughs> people might think. Wow. And when it's a restaurant, when it's a restaurant, I would imagine it all needs to be up to health codes, too. You got to have them egresses. You need a good egress. And a good egress. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know as much about like the codes because um, it usually ends up like for the um, project managers and installers at that point. But I know it, it was mostly stuff that was like up in a way and more on the wall. Um, and so, yeah, I did, especially like construction buildings and some of the construction codes and stuff. And installing it too because it, then they like flew me out with them for the project. And uh, I was then ending up managing, like, help, helping to manage a union crew out in the city we were in. And it, all the walls are, like, concrete. And you got to drill, like, way deep in there to get stuff in there and then use, like, the special epoxy cement to install it. And all stuff I'd, like, never done before. But was just, like, learning on the fly, having to take Ubers to all the local Home Depots to get more supplies for, like, the union crew. And going, like, what? And actually, that was, like, during the, um, the first Women's March. Uh, so like the city, it was like, you know, the inauguration and stuff. So super surreal time, the city's clogged with protesters and I'm like trying to do this gig as well as I can. And I'm in a city that I don't know. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> this is crazy. But it said, you know, then those are like the best stories later. And you like look back on that time really fondly. Now you are being very professional and <laughs> you are, but I can tell there's more to what you're saying. I'm going to connect some dots. I'm going to put some words in your mouth. I'm not, I'm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. What you just described to me, if I'm connecting the dots right, sounds like some rich lunatic, as you said, found a big pile of garbage and decided, like, this is going to be my chance to build my version of the Hard Rock Cafe. Like, that type of thing. <laughs> this will be my planet, Hollywood. And it's a big pile of trash on the ground. 
It's like they will eat loaded nachos in this place where I'm nailing a bunch of masks to the wall. That is it close oh to that? Well, I wish, oh man, I so wish you knew the guy was like the one who hired me. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like you're, you're off like a little bit, but it's a pretty close like uh, impression of how he talks. <laughs> Ooh, I like yeah. that. And it's, yeah, no, it's like a fun energy to be around. But sometimes I think I called my boyfriend and was doing the like, hey, how do you know if someone's on cocaine? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Just for the energy, just like the immense amount of energy. I was like, wow. Oh, I hope that gig was in Vegas. I hope it was in Vegas and it was some guy who's like, ah, there's not enough themed stuff around here. I know there's an entire casino that's built like ancient Rome and another one that's built like Venice and another one that's built like Paris. But we need a thing where I put boxing gloves everywhere. I hope it was like that type of <laughs> thing. wall of boxing. Yeah, big wall. I actually kind of want to do that. That sounds cool. I'd eat at a boxing-themed restaurant. I absolutely would. If it was all match-worn, bloodied-up gloves, and you can sit there and eat a lovely creme brulee under the gloves that Arturo Gatti used to pound Mickey Ward's face into chopped meat, yeah, I would do that. I'd eat at that I restaurant. I mean, I don't know about you. When I think boxing, I think creme brulee. Like immediately. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's very violent dessert. You're cracking the shell. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Touche. You crushed me on that. I like your dry sense of humor that called out my inappropriate dessert choice. Now, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and tell you something about me. I love a good themed restaurant. Love it. Do you have to go to a lot of themed restaurants as part of your work? Because I want to just go through a list of some of the ones that I like. Um, I have been to a good number of them. Luckily, where I live, uh, it's like definitely there's a lot of good food here. And, um, so I don't end up going to like I guess the more tourist ones that people would consider, and you know I'll I'll be that kind of hipster in the neighborhood that's like the good local places, not a total like you know foodie nut, but just um, of like oh there's this nice place in town, and mm-hmm. um, you know especially in, in a nice like um, you know secondary market artistic community where like you see the same muralist that do work around multiple buildings and the same like restaurant tiers are opening different places, but they're doing a different take on another thing. And there's that, you know, I'm sure a lot of cities are facing this. So like bringing in cool things, but also fighting gentrification at the same time. So trying to keep like a cool community, but not have it be like a huge corporatized thing. Um, So that's, but I do, I love like theming in a restaurant for sure. And that's something I'm like, always my eyes are up and I'm looking at the like design, like the choice of lighting fixtures and how they're hiding the cords and mm-hmm. you know, how, what kind of hardware they chose. And like, those are like the fun details, you know? I love it. I love it. I asked you your favorite types of theme restaurants. You talk about theming, classy, professional. You're talking about like <laughs> community. Like I know from, I don't know where you're basically, but I know like New York city, there's a city north of here called Hudson, which I think has been sort of like revitalized in the past 10 to 15 years with a lot of artists. The gentrification issue, like you said, is a real thing, but there's a lot of chefs up there who are like, oh, I can get a big empty warehouse, redo the whole thing in my image. It's low overhead. And then like you say, okay, it's French food and they bring in some real, a muralist who can now theme this whole thing with like scenes of France or, or paintings that have references to French authors and it's all very classy you like a classy themed restaurant 
in my personal life, yeah. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, I'll, I'll like uh, enjoy the you know for and like let's say some like a you know Margaritaville or whatever. Yes, I love going to the bars of those places, mm-hmm. having classy marg and and like oh how did they build this stuff or whatever. But um, sometimes not always the food. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you it's know, experience. Okay. Let's talk. We're going to talk about a couple of these things. We're going to talk and you'll tell me if you've been to them or not. And I'll give quick descriptions. I'm not going to dominate this call, but I just, this is a fun topic near and dear to my heart. I'm going to tell you about some of my favorites from over the years. After my junior prom, I went to a place in New York city called Jekyll and Hyde's. Are you familiar with Jekyll and Hyde's? I am familiar with it. I've never been inside. Is it? Is that the one that was on Kimmy Schmidt, or is that like, like the first season? I think one of the characters works there. Oh, they might. They might. Yeah, I, I did I watch that because Ellie's a friend, but I don't remember if there's yeah. a specific Jekyll and Hyde. It's a horror themed restaurant where the waiters all have to act spooky, and there's like zombie statues <laughs> and stuff. You got to be spooky. I like that one. I like that one. Now, there was one that used to be in New York that I was a huge fan of. Also, it occupied prime real estate right next to Rockefeller Center. Have you ever heard of Mars 20, I think it was Mars 2012 or Mars 2112? Do you know about this? No, oh my God. We went there. I went there as a kid and it blew my mind. I was like, this is the best thing. It has milkshakes in space. This is amazing. I sitting on alien eggs. That was yes. my, like the little secondary bar with the alien eggs that you could sit on. I was like, I, we're never leaving. I want to live here. I think it was like prime early 2000s opulence of like with the weird yes. I can't remember the stuff on the video screens of like alien news. And yes. Stuff. For anyone listening, this was a restaurant in New York City. One of the <laughs> culinary hubs of the entire world. Inarguably. And at a restaurant right in Midtown where you would enter and the host would bring you into a little pod that would play a video um, meant to make you think you were traveling through space to the surface of Mars. And then the door would open on the other side and it was this weird foam, (laughs) foam, everything was like red foam. And it would be like... Get you'd get like uh, you know like grilled space cheese. It would be just be like a real shitty grilled cheese sandwich. And the best part was that the waiters and waitresses had to dress in these like big mascot outfits, and they'd be like Captain Ajax, and they weren't really allowed to speak English, and you had to point to your menu items. And I remember once Jekyll and Hyde's famously, a lot of actors will work in Jekyll and Hyde's because you get your equity card. You can join the Stage Actors Union from working at Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, really? Okay. So a lot of New York oh. actors, when they come and they're trying to break in on Broadway and off Broadway, before they, that you can get health insurance through equity, certain restaurants. I remember once asking my, uh, my foam mascot clad waiter at, at Mars 2112, like, do you get equity insurance? And the person inside was like, fuck no, no, don't bring it up. And I was like, whoa, you're talking and cursing. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been to Denver's infamous Casa Bonita? Are you familiar with Casa Bonita? No. Oh, it was featured on South Park. I've wanted to go my whole life. Finally had the pleasure to go last year. I first read about it in the great book, Roadside America. This is a restaurant that very strangely has a large waterfall in the middle and puts on diving shows every 20 minutes where local teens dive set to music. And the food is not good. I, that's always so funny with these places of like, you know, it's it's possible to have good food. And uh, I, I don't know if one's cracked the code yet, really. No, um, 
Well, in terms of that, yeah. Every once in a while, uh, an aspiring restaurateur goes, well, I can either build a 40-foot-tall indoor cliff waterfall or <laughs> we can pick up the pace and make sure this food isn't outright stale. But you can only have one. <laughs> now, you can't have both. <laughs> no way. No way. Now I'm going to name one more that is perhaps the nearest and dearest to my heart. And I'm praying you've been there. And then I'll stop dominating this conversation. I'll hand the reins back to you. As a New Jersey resident, and this is a franchise. There's a few of them throughout the country, but I, the one in Jersey is infamous and beloved amongst my North Jersey peers. Do you know where I'm going with this? One of the ultimate themed eating experiences. Medieval times. You ever heard oh, of medieval times? <laughs> yes, I've been to medieval oh, times. Why did I see that? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've, gosh, I think the first time I went was like a marching band trip. Yes. Like, that, that type and, of thing. Yeah. I went. Oh, yeah. I've, I've actually, and I've been another one. I think it's called Arabian Nights, which Ooh. is like the same thing, but Ooh. instead of like um, medieval, it's like an Arabian horse show. And I was a big horse girl as a kid, so I was like, horses, yes, with food. <laughs> you had to sit there and watch horses. Medieval Times, a lot of people know about this one. If you're not familiar, it's in Lindhurst, New Jersey. I'm trying to stifle my laughter just at saying that this. it's shaped like a gigantic castle. And it's a standalone building. This is not part of a strip mall. This is a, a pretty sizable castle. And you go inside and you are seated in an indoor battle arena. That's the only thing. First, you go into a lobby where there's a bar and a lot of kitsch for sale. But there's people walking around dressed in medieval garb. You go into this indoor battle arena. There's six sections, six different colors. Each color has a representative knight who rides a horse around the battle arena and they fight. And there's a king and a princess who make announcements. You are instructed to call your waitress's wench, which is not aging well in 2019. I remember <laughs> as a third grader, the, my aunt and uncle took me in third grade, and this lady had to look me, an eight-year-old, in the eye and be like, hi, I'm your wench for the night. I was like, this is not teaching me good lessons. And you eat with your hands. You are given no silverware. And they give you baked potatoes and pitchers of water and soup that you drink without a spoon. You just drink it from the bowl. And then I remember when I was a meat eater still, they give you either chicken or ribs. And it's terrible food. And I went, we went and brought the whole cast and crew of the Chris Gethard show there last year, right before our show ended. And we were cheering on our night. And then they had a twist in the story where he was like, he got like me too'd. He like, I forget exactly what it was, but this we'd been cheering for this night and we were disruptive to the point that we probably ruined the show for other people cheering for our night so hard and picked one of the other six nights and just booed the shit out of him. And then halfway through, our guy like started talking to the princess and being like, your opinion doesn't matter, woman. Don't talk to me like that. And we were all like, wait, wait, we've been cheering this guy. Weird choice, modern choice from medieval times. Medieval times. Here's my okay. One last thing about medieval. Here's my favorite thing about medieval times. These knights go in there, and you're a knight. You're riding horses. People are cheering, screaming for you. You're throwing roses into the crowd, and people are praying they get to catch the rose. You're wielding this cool weaponry, and then at the end of the night, you know you you change back into your civilian clothes and you go out the back door 
and you're just like just another asshole in Lindhurst, New Jersey with long hair. I'm Steve now. I'm you're just-, just Steve. Exactly. Now I'm just Steve again. I'm just a guy with a ponytail and a 2004 Honda Civic. And I guess I'll just go <laughs> home, even though my job is to be a literal medieval hero swinging a mace around my head. I love it. Okay. I've talked enough about theme restaurants. Thank you for that trip down memory lane. <laughs> Back to you. So you said you were physically damaged in the course of your work this year. Tell me about that. I think that's a good point to pause. And I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back for the level of self-restraint I just displayed because I could talk about theme restaurants for an hour. Easy, but I'm glad we stopped that. Stopped that runaway train. Okay, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. That's how the show will survive if you guys uh, respond to these ads. So please do give them a chance, and uh, we'll be back after this. So psyched to tell you about the Aura Smart Frame. Once again, this is a product that I think is very, very cool. It's also been selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. So both me and Oprah find it cool. It's the perfect gift for parents who are constantly asking you to send more photos. With an Aura, you can instantly share photos from your phone's camera roll to their frame. It is magical. You can set it up so that a new family photo appears every time your mom walks into a room, instantly brightening their day. Invite your siblings to share photos too. It allows for unlimited family photo sharing so that we can become this family thing, this family unlimited memory box. What a cool thing. You're Basically what you're doing is you're creating your own private social network amongst your family so that you can all stay in touch, keep connected, stay truly connected to your loved ones even if you're miles apart. Seamless technology means a simple stress-free setup and it comes in a range of styles. You can get modern, classic, wood. I love it. Gave one to my parents. My, uh, my dad's birthday happened to land on Mother's Day this year. And I said, I think I know what would be perfect for them. They're always asking me for pictures of the baby. And uh, my brother has, has his own good news lately too. Why don't we just set it up where from all over the East Coast, we can be sharing pictures. We just give my parents these surprises every day. What a nice thing. It's really cool. Head to AuraFrames.com. Use offer code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. For $50 off, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. Offer code beautiful, $50 off. I ran out, bought one myself. You're going to love it. You ever feel like there's a lot happening in the world and it's hard to keep up? Meet The Skim. The Skim is a daily email newsletter. It's delivered right to your inbox. I'm signed up for it. I really like it. It gives you all the news and information you need to know to start your day in about five minutes. It's delivered in a fun and relatable way like you and your friend talking over coffee. It's nonpartisan, connects the dots on how the news impacts you. And guess what? Most of all, it's free. I really do like it. I feel like I'm someone who tends to uh, start my day by reading up on the news and getting very stressed out. And I find that I greatly prefer The Skim sends me this breakdown. It's casual. It's, it's not fear-mongering. It's nonpartisan, like they say. And it, uh, it actually saves me a lot of time at the top of my day, if I'm being honest. I like it a lot. Join the 7 million subscribers who wake up with The Skim every morning at theskim.com slash stories. That's the S-K-I-M-M with two M's dot com slash stories. Beautiful anonymous listeners who sign up, you'll be entered to win a $50 Visa gift card. Free service, $50 gift card. You can't beat that. Thanks so much to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. Back to you. So you said you were physically damaged in the course of your work this year. Tell me about that. 
Um, well, yeah, I had surgery uh, earlier in January, start the new year, new year off right. Um, yeah, I had I, I herniated a disc in my low back, and um, I don't know how long I had it, but I'd had the pain for like a year, and um, it just got to the point that I was having trouble walking, uh, you know, and couldn't, it, you know, it was like spending Christmas with the family and I could like barely crack a smile cause I was just like in too much pain. And, uh, so I'd been doing like, you know, the chiropractors and the yogas and I mean, and I still do like majority of that stuff. Um, but, uh, and I had been taking some pain pills and stuff and getting a few like of the, um, you know, the different injections they give you for that kind of stuff. But, um, I hadn't, uh, thought out an MRI or anything yet. And so I finally just got to the point. I was like, I need an MRI. I want to know what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and so it's like, I think it was like new year's, uh, new year's Eve. I got the diagnosis of like, it's a herniated disc and you're, um, you know, we're recommending surgery for it. Um, and so, but I mean, yeah, and that, that happened. And so, and I'm like still, you know, pretty young, um, so it was just kind of a moment and I've like had like kind of minor injuries. Like I've nailed my hand to a board before and I've like gotten oh. sick from like some paint fumes and stuff. So, but like for me, I'm like, that's minor, whatever it happens. But <laughs> like this one was like, okay, I need, to, you know, and so I've been like still working and hustling and, but I've been reassessing stuff a bit. And also, cause I, I really felt like, uh, I like really got some good momentum going in my career. And I'm, I was just talking about this last night. I feel like right now is probably one of the first times in my life. I felt like really confident in myself and my abilities. And, um, and so it's, yeah, it, it, it's like, it was, you know, it's definitely scary to feel like that could maybe be taken away or, um, you have to reassess that. And, and, you know, with, with these kind of industries, it's not a, um, you know, it, it can have really weird hours. It can have really long hours. They're very demanding yeah. physically. Yeah. Um, I want to make, I, yeah. feel, I feel like I know enough about what you do. And, and like you said, you've done some film and TV. So I know there's a Venn diagram for anybody listening. They might be going, well, wait, like you said, you do a lot of painting and stuff like that. Like, I bet you could work right. Like the sense I get is you're working more on the side of things. That's like, oh no, we have one week to build this and we're bringing the materials. This is carrying stuff. This is getting up on ladders. This is, yeah. th- this is physical work. Yeah. And I mean, I've, uh, uh, I've looked out so far if, in that, um, I'm, I'm getting better about asking for help and not, and also like, especially being a woman too, you're always kind of uh, uh, trying to show off how strong you are. And cause people want to kind of, you know, you get a lot mm-hmm. of like sweethearts and, like you know oh sweetie can you lift that and so i'm always like i can do it and so it would try to show off a little bit some some good body strength but um now i'm having to like eat my words a little bit and be like can i have some help moving this (laughs) and be a little smarter about how i'm lifting and but thankfully i've been doing more of like some prop detail stuff so it's been a little like you know um standing at at a table with an object instead of you know doing an entire wall um, as you know, for right now, but it's always kind of like in the back of my mind of like, you know, I told my physical therapist that it's like, I could be getting on a ladder or in a lift soon. We, we, we practice how to do this properly so I don't hurt myself. And, you know, that's brutal. 
that puts a lot of self-doubt in your head. My, my wife was a performer, and I don't want to tell her story for her, but she, she had a back injury. Back injuries are a particular brand of nasty because they just kind of linger and get in your head. That's what I've taken away from seeing one in action. Yeah, and they, they affect everything, really. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you have a, like, if your arm's kind of hurting, it's like you can use the other arm or work around it. But um, especially, yeah, like my, it, with the back, it's like, I, you know, like everything is painful and then you only, all you want to do is lie down. But then they're like, you can't do that. You have to keep moving. It's like the one injury where they're like, you can't just lie down. You have to like stay upright and keep moving. Bed rest is the worst thing for it. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you have one of those days where you're like, and now my hip has gone out because my body's trying Mm -hmm. to adjust around my back. So now I guess I'll just have one hip to work with today. (laughs) Because my back is, yeah, like you said, a lot of, it's, the, it's the epicenter of a lot of things with your body. Yeah, I was making a lot of jokes about becoming a bionic person or, like, getting a, a service animal that would, <laughs> like, compensate for me. <laughs> right. I, if it ever came to that point, luckily right. it hasn't. <laughs> right. Okay. So, like, you just go out and get, like, a service silverback gorilla that can climb things. Oh, and, perfect. Yeah, and install yeah. stuff and carry heavy <laughs> stuff. Now, can I mm-hmm. can I ask you a question? I would, uh, I luckily, knock on wood, have not had like a catastrophic lingering injury. Um, I'd be scared to go on the pain pills at this time in history. Were you scared about that? Yeah, it was. Um, well, so thankfully for me, I haven't had to uh, go on opioids at all. Oh, good. Um, I was I was offered them, and they gave me. The they gave me the pills and everything, um, but I have was able to get by with um, muscle relaxers and uh, and then just like good old Advil. So um, and I have like a backup prescription of all those uh, different kinds of them, um, you know, just in case. If stuff, especially if I've worked like a long ten twelve hour shift, I'm, I kind of will sometimes um, maybe this is bad. I'll preemptively take them because I know I'll start to feel a little sore the next day. Mm-hmm. But then the minute I, I'm feeling normal, I drop it. And I'm like, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I just feel better when I'm taking them. I don't feel like any kind of head stuff or, yeah. or floatiness or yeah. So thankfully, um, yeah, I haven't had to go that route. Um, I guess to, yeah, to make the story more interesting, my mom and I had surgery two weeks apart from each other, and we were. And my mom had like a history as being a nurse, and so she was like, "We're not doing the opioids." And so, wow, um, she was you know a little scared about me even doing back surgery. Just uh, it's kind of like a hotly a lot of back stuff, especially like chiropractors. You know, it's it's a hotly contended thing within the medical community. Um, but I, you know, once I got the diagnosis and had the MRI and everything. She, and we, you know, did our research and stuff. So it was like, okay, this is, you know, the right decision for me. Um, you know, a lot of stuff on the internet, I think will just be like, don't ever do back surgery or, you know, and, but it, I, I feel like, you know, it, it doesn't take into account the person and what has happened to their body and, you know, the kind of work that I've done and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know if I'm my, my history with substances if they put me on opioids, game over. 
I, I would have to figure <laughs> out how to take the pain yeah. because I, I think I'm built in a bad way. For that step. When I was on Adderall, I went too nuts. I went nuts. I had to get off the Adderall quick. Mm. Okay. Now, talk me through this. And again, I saw, I've seen, you know, someone extraordinarily close to me deal with their own version of this. You do work. You're proud of your work. You're catching momentum in your work. You've also mentioned that you're working in a field where being a woman, you feel like you're proving something. You have to demonstrate your strength for better or for worse. This work is now becoming harder at a young age. How do you reconcile that sort of feeling of the pride you take in your work, the gratification, the physical limitations? Are you, are you worried that it might be something that goes away or are you going to find a way around it? Yeah, that's that's kind of like the one of the forefront things in my mind that I'm like kind of always circling around is um, what does this mean for the future? And, um, you know, I and am I going to have to move over to like a more design line of work or position where it won't be as physical Um, or is, you know, so far I've been recovering really well. Like my physical therapist is very impressed and. Um, and yeah, so far I haven't run into a situation where I'm completely unable to perform my job. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely, it's, but I don't want to degenerate further and have something like this happen again, even if I'm feeling great right now. And what does this mean for the future? You know, I'd like to be able to enjoy my body in the future. So yeah, it's, I'm thinking about it for sure and going, well, maybe, you know, this is the time to start. I've been doing this kind of manual labor-esque stuff for a while and either, you know, having to set some tougher boundaries for myself of like not working too many hours in one day or pushing it too much or do I need to move over to um, stuff that would have me be more at a desk. But I mean, I don't know. Then sometimes you hear the stories of people that have, gotten a herniated disc from in their neck just from like looking at a computer <laughs> and here yeah you know start being like nothing's safe yeah um, it's like i mean that's, that's true in life but you might just get carpal tunnel if you're working yeah at a computer like is, do you think uh, it brings up a thing i think about a lot that i feel with myself and that i saw in my father and that he and i have spoken about as i've gotten older I kind of, you ever feel like the way that we, especially as Americans, kind of stake our self-esteem in work accomplishments? It's a little little backwards. It's dangerous at the very least. Yeah, I feel that a lot. And I definitely grew up in like a very pro-capitalist household. Um, And yeah, I've, I'm very work centric and pride myself on my work. And uh, that's something that gives, I like, I used to joke that like the idea of like having, getting fired from a job was like more scarier to me than like uh, getting dumped or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've had like panic attacks because I worried I wasn't doing a good enough job and that people didn't, you know, thought I was going to, that I was bad or I was going to get fired or something. And, um, yeah. And it's, and especially with, I, you know, I, the dialogue with a lot of things in the world now about like reexamining our culture of, you know, 
minimum wage and how many hours people are having to work and what's humane and everything is, is and the toxicity of some of that kind of um, pro-capitalism rhetoric in some ways. And especially um, I, it gets caught up a lot with people that I work with, too, where it's a kind of showboating of like, you know, what's your worst injury or what's the heaviest thing you can lift or, oh, I worked five jobs at once or, I right. you know, I only sleep two hours a night and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough to it's it's tough to parse, but I mean, I definitely feel some of that anxiety is as I'm getting older and a little more confident in myself is subsiding and that um you know i I guess i I don't feel like I have to um prove as much if that makes sense. I don't have to you know overextend myself to the point of hurting myself to prove that I'm like a a a person that i I have value value in the workplace or value in what I do. Um, and that, uh, there's so many different people overseeing projects or a big thing is uh, people like to come in and see, or especially they'll go into a space that's already been completed and, and, you know, talk shit on the work that's in there, the mural or how something was installed or whatever. And the big thing I've learned is, um, you know, knowing what the behind the scenes mess of a project is and how many things can go wrong and how many um, different notes you can get that you, to you don't make any sense, but your boss is telling you to do it. And so uh, I'm always going like, Hey, I don't know what that artist had to be a list <laughs> to do to, you know, put that up there. I don't necessarily think that makes them bad at what they do. It, it's, it's more than likely, you know, the person above them that was like, you know, I want it this way <laughs> or we're out of money. <laughs> uh, yeah. You do what you got to do. Pay those bills. I think, yeah, I think that's one of my big commitments to myself moving forward. Figure out how to uh, stake my self-esteem in the non-work stuff. Like, I don't want to be in this script. My whole adult life, this scramble. Can I, uh, can I sell it? Another, am I going to be a, my TV show got canceled. Can I sell another one? How many downloads is the podcast getting? Okay. I go on the road and I can sell this many tickets. Can I double that within the next five years? Like maybe I just need to find my self-esteem in the fact that I think I treat people pretty good and try to do right by those around me. Maybe that's the more important thing. Trying to learn that my, uh, as I head towards the uh, latter half of my life. But who knows? Easier said than done. Easier said than is done. Is that something, is that something like in terms, yeah, this kind of stuff we're talking about, I'm sure you're thinking about that a lot with like being a new father of, you know, uh, being a workaholic and a dad and a new dad and like how, how am I going to proceed with my career but be, you know, there for my kid and also I don't want to you know wear myself out physically or emotionally or mentally yeah absolutely and like what's the version of myself that I want this kid to know and it's funny I I I have sometimes talked publicly about my relationship with my dad and I just want to say he is the best he's a great dad and he and I are very close and we're closer now than we've ever been but uh his relationship with work has rubbed off on me. I always say, my brother got my father's brains. Those guys are, they're both so, so smart. And I'm pretty smart. 
but I got my dad's work ethic. And that's part of why I've been able to kind of like scrap out this career that I'm pretty proud of, even though I think publicly I've, I've taken my hits and keep standing. That's because of my dad. That's because my dad taught me how to just like, you just keep running through the wall, like the Kool-Aid man until the, until the wall falls down. Um, but it is like, I think he, it's funny. I've talked with him so much, especially since, uh, since I've gotten older and right, it's funny having the kid. I remember realizing, oh, he was just scared. He wasn't like, he wasn't trying to go accomplish so much to like prove he was a badass or to like show that he's the one who should be getting the promotion. He was just my. I didn't realize this. My mom told me that when my parents got married, they had six hundred dollars between them in the bank account. Like this dude was running scared. And it's funny. One thing that. One thing that my parents pointed out to me, because they told me, my aunt and uncle told me that they their family had an intervention when they said they were going to try for a second child and said, you should not do this. You will be in the poorhouse. You will be doing a disservice to this young family. You don't have money. This was about me being created. It was weird to hear. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that basically my family intervened to try to stop me from existing. That was wild, wild to hear. But- one thing that my parents wow. pointed out is like, you know, especially in the past three or four years, like I've, I've done all right financially and I think I can be a little more chill. I can be a little more chill, at least for the first handful of years for this kid's life. I think it might be really good for him to see an example of someone who's willing to maybe be a little chill, put that stuff on the back burner, <laughs> find a little more time to just hang out with this little guy but who knows yeah wow you ever been you ever been to the stardust cafe the stardust diner stardust diner in new york city you know that one? Oh gosh is that the one <laughs> i immediately think of it from um it's in spider-man <laughs> is it in spider-man no no she's at oh it's like moon dance or something i'm thinking i, I don't know why my maybe i'm wrong i can't i'm sure listeners are screaming now this, um, yeah, MJ works at like a, a diner that has a very sparkly sign. No, the star, um, Stardust is one where the waiters are um, trained singers and dancers and very often, like on a pretty rotating, pretty constant rotating basis, they jump up on top of the tables and they will sing pop standards, show tunes. And I did not know this. So I was once looking for a place to have a, a business meeting with a, a someone I was working with. And I always, I love a diner. I'm a Jersey guy. So let's go to a diner. Diners are real laid back. And I wound up having a, a business meeting with someone while the waiters were like jumping up and singing Whitney Houston songs and doing choreographed dances. <laughs> and the thing that's so heartbreaking about the Stardust Diner is that it is right in the heart of the Broadway section of New York. So... Oh, You're right in there. And you know that most of these people have probably moved to New York to pursue a Broadway dream. And they're so close. They're so, they're so close. They're right there. Like the Winter Garden Theater. It's, it's a couple blocks away. And you're singing on a table in the diner. I love stories like that. The humanity of it. And I don't judge. You got to scrap it out like we've been saying. Anyway, that's another good theme restaurant that I like. Oh my god! Well, you know, I'm gonna be in New York like pretty soon um, for my birthday, and so now I'm like, do I have to check all these places out? <laughs> that one, you know what one I've never been to, 
Ninja sushi. That's another one I've heard about where the servers are ninjas who drop down from the ceiling or from hidden caverns and passageways to serve you sushi while dressed as ninjas. That's another one in New York. But I think that's weirdly way downtown, right? That one's down near like Wall Street. Like, why is there a ninja restaurant down near Wall Street? Anyway. It's like Wall Street bros are like going for the ninja sushi. Yeah, what exactly is going <laughs> on with power meetings? Yeah, power lunches with the <laughs> Yeah, we looked it up. It's down in Tribeca. Tribeca's like pretty far south and kind of like a trend center neighborhood. Why is that the place where you can go and get served by ninjas? Have ninjas <laughs> serve you your food. That's oh, well, I feel like that themed pop-up bar thing is like happening more and more kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, like, you know, yeah. So I, who knows? Maybe like, you know, we went through our phases of um, the farm to table, reclaimed wood, um, you know, Edison Bowl. The classy ones. <laughs> yeah. The classy yeah, thing. So the farm to table. Whole, you know, we're, we're in like a, a, a weird time culturally with like the, the, the strengths of VIP, you know, the intellectual properties with every, all the, uh, Game of Thrones and comic books and stuff. So maybe that'll be the new era of restaurants. Is everything is IP related? <laughs> I like that. If you could design, okay. If you could design, like you mentioned a theme, you like a good one with good lighting, with murals, classy, restrained, refined. <laughs> I, if I could design my own theme restaurant, I would make it themed to feel like you are a patient in an insane asylum. And you get put in a, when you get you go there. The hostess before they seat you, the hostess straps you into a straitjacket, so you have to eat by just like mashing your face into your plate, trying to grip your cup with your teeth and tipping it back to drink. There's lunatics who have or who have broken loose who are running roughshod. There's uh, people getting electroshock therapy right in front of your eyes. Totally insensitive, disrespectful to the mental health industry. I've been such a public champion for mental health treatment, but it'll be like a nightmare vision of like a 1930s mental hospital. That would be my ultimate themed restaurant. Let's go ahead. Let's just hit the pause button. I want to let you know that even as this was coming out of my mouth, I understood uh, not the coolest thing to make fun of. As someone who has the issues that I have so publicly spoken about, do you just mock the idea of a mental hospital? Not great and demonizes uh, the whole idea of the mental health industry, which has improved leaps and bounds over the past decades. Do I know that? Yes, I know that. My bad. Okay, hopefully the jokes make it funny enough that between that and the apologies, you'll let me go. Anyway, the momentum is broken. We got ads. Check them out. We got promo codes. Use them. We'll be right back. Everybody wants a haven, a place that feels uniquely you. With Joybird, you get one-of-a-kind furniture crafted to your unique taste. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options, from rich, buttery leather to the plushest velvet you've ever felt. You want a sofa in aquatic blue? Maybe you want a love seat in bubblegum pink. You want to go big, like the B-52s. Well, if you can dream it, Joybird can make it a reality. They even have a beautiful selection of outdoor sofas, lounge chairs, and tables. Plus, their free personal design consultants can help nail down your design. Joybird also offers a range of kid and pet-friendly upholstery options so your creations can stand the test of time. Best of all, thanks to their 365-day home trial, if you don't love your Joybird, you can return it for a full refund. It's good customer service right there. See how Joybird can help you design your dream space. Find your joy today at joybird.com beautiful. 
You can create the furniture that brings you joy. That's joybird.com slash beautiful and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code beautiful. That's joybird.com slash beautiful. Thanks again to everybody who advertises on this show. Now let's finish off this phone call. It'll be like a nightmare vision of like a 1930s mental hospital. That would be my ultimate themed restaurant. You call it the <laughs> okay. you call it the crazy house. You call it the crazy house. Cra- yeah, or or the loony bin. <laughs> the loony bin, yeah. And then like the 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 dishes, you can get things like uh, cheesy tots. Like that's the type of stuff they'll have at a restaurant like that. You go ahead. And get well, you know, actually, tots. like as you're describing this, like the one of those big things, like another like what's trendy right now, a big thing is those places where you can go like break plates and stuff. So I've heard I, about these. But I'm, yeah, what I'm hearing is like a good like let's bridge these two things together because you know like if you're going for like most offensive stereotype of a of a mental patient they want to break some plates yes. they want to go insane and <laughs> yes so I you know get your food and then when you're done with the food you can just like chuck that plate across the room yes be crazy <laughs> demand you want more given to your most unhinged impulses for one night you're allowed to smash anything made of glass. It is not just encouraged, but required that you flip your table over on your way out the door. And, uh, yeah, the after-dinner mints are delivered to you like the way they used to hand out those pills through the little window and one flew over the co- one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's called the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, there you go. And then, like, an aper- those, like, aperitifs or wrenches. <laughs> what do you think? If I can get the investment capital, will you come build the cuckoo nest? An insane asylum. Oh, themed. I will be all over that in two <laughs> seconds. You have no idea. Let's like, let's let's get the paint elevations up. Mm-hmm. Let's find. <laughs> let's look up the break. You know all the shatter shatter glass places that are safe shattered glass. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> Make it happen. So what else? You're trying to heal up. You got this cool career. Trying to make sure that you can. Uh, Keep your head above water and pursuing it. You feel like you're. What, do you feel like you're through the thick of it with the back injury, or is it still like a day to day thing that's messing with you? How'd... Knock on wood, I think I'm through the thick of it. It it was it was like touch and go for a minute though, because like I came I came back to work and um, I think I was there for two weeks. And I ended up pinching a nerve in my neck. <sighs> um, and yeah, and it's I it was like it's the whole back. Oh my god, and I was freaking out and you know they were like it happens and I went on more uh more intense muscle relaxers and took the rest of that week off and then even funnier I just a calamity of errors is I you know wake up Monday morning and I'm like okay like not 100% but I think you know I'm ready to go back to work and uh I'm like let me take a nice hot shower in the morning and stretch out and that'll make me like ready for the day and I can do this and I am in the shower and I'm stretching. I'm really getting some deep neck stretches and I'm like, I feel like a little dizzy. And so I have a chair in my shower just, you know, with the bending and stuff. I need a little assistance. So I sit down and then next thing I know, my boyfriend's waking me up because I passed out and then hit my eye on the edge of the shower. And so my Oof. eye is bleeding and my nose is bleeding Oof. and not my and I have to rush to the ER and it looks great when your boyfriend's bringing his bloody crying girlfriend with a big black eye into the ER. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and it was everything was fine, thank God. Like they did a CT scan and everything, and I they said it's just like a perfect storm of, like you know, hot shower in the morning and in there too long, you're dehydrated and you have low blood pressure early in the morning, and then you if you hold those neck stretches too long, you can kind of like put yourself into a falcon grip. And apparently that's all, all those things combined is, is what I did to myself. What's a um, falcon grip? And like the, the, isn't in the, the move in the movies where they come up behind you and they pinch the nerves in your neck in the right way and you drop. The Vulcan neck pinch? The thing Spock does? <laughs> I guess. Is that I guess, co- right? I thought oh, I'm going to look this up. Is this also called a, a, a falcon, a falcon <laughs> grip? You know how falcon oh, weird. No, well, when you Google the phrase falcon grip, the first thing that comes up is best Glock accessories at a website I don't want to even plug. <laughs> Having a solid grip on your Glock is important for shooting fast and accurately. Purchase falcon grips today. Oh, God. <laughs> Very second thing is called talon grips for a Glock. See, I think you're thinking of the Vulcan neck pinch. Everything about Falcon Grips is about Glocks. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, if nothing else from this call, I've learned that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm adjusting that story from now on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you mean the Vulcan neck pinch, which is a Star Trek the reference. Good old, yeah. Yeah, the good old Vulcan neck pinch on yeah, myself, the... compressing all those, those, all those arteries and, you know, nerves in the neck there, and then just boop. You're out. <laughs> yes, the Vulcan, the Vulcan nerve pinch, I believe. I'm much more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. Yeah, same here. Yeah, uh, my dad loves Star Trek. My dad is like an encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek. I'm a Star Wars guy. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a rebel. Was that a thing of like my, <laughs> my son, I can't connect with him over this thing. It's so close, but like. You know, so far at the same time. <laughs> so close. Although I do remember he was so excited when we were, uh, we were, when I was a kid. I think the first movie I ever remember him bringing me to was Star Trek Four, which was the one with the whales. So I still have a lot of fondness for that movie. And Star Trek's fine. <laughs> but the whales one, I always like. My dad brought me to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, oh, have, cool. <laughs> we have 13 minutes left. What else? Uh, and I will say, I really appreciate this call, thank you for letting me get some good, fond reminiscences of uh, ridiculous theme restaurants while also filling me in on your injury, harrowing stretch <laughs> of life. What else would you like to talk about with 13 minutes left? Oh, man, with 13 minutes left, there's so many so many possibilities. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, it's funny. Well, <laughs> and so, it's so fun to talk to you about stuff. I'm... I'm so badly want to like get into more specific details of projects I've been on, but then I'm worried <laughs> to take away the anonymity of things. Yeah, um, and that's a, that's a thing where if you talk too much shit, word could spread, right? You're you're a freelancer, effectively, right? Freelancer, effectively, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's not even. Uh, it, it's more just like the projects are cool and they're exciting, but um, yeah, it's it, but it's it's funny because even you know people always think like film and TV, but there's like niche upon niche of markets, um, the more, and you know, what's even funnier is how kind of off the books things are in terms of, I just get calls randomly and I go to, I go to blank warehouses and I meet people and they give me, and, and you know, idea of what they want. And then you're, you're at it and you get a, you get a check. Usually it's just like handed to you. Sometimes it's mailed 
and then you're on your way and sometimes you bump into them and it's, yeah, it's a weird, but I do, I do love it. I love the, I've been lucky that the kind of the main market that I'm in is very friendly mm-hmm. and very welcoming. And, um, a lot of people are really trying to, uh, there's a lot of good, like, you know, networking events that of, um, and I mean, it's true. Like the, the networking aspect is like such a huge part of it, of making or breaking it. Um, and I've just, I've been very fortunate. And um, if you're a fun person to hang out with at a restaurant, then usually they want to work with you. Um, and that's usually what gets me hired versus what's in my portfolio. And a lot of times stuff that I've worked on, I can't put in my portfolio because of, you know, NDAs and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you were saying too, like with TV, I think people think of TV as glamorous. And I'm sure that the set designers for Game of Thrones have like a fun limitless budget where they can dream up whatever they want but i would say probably 98 percent of television is like you got it we we need this and we want it to look great and we'll give you 11 dollars, and that's (laughs) and now you gotta drive you're gonna drive to a junkyard we found in cherry hill new jersey because we heard it hasn't been picked clean yet by everyone else go find (laughs) us everything we need you got 48 hours that's most, most of TV is kind of like that. I want to say probably like at least 90% of it is, is that way. You know, I haven't been on a, I've been on big budget projects, but I haven't been on like a big budget, like a Marvel film or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know if it's run differently, but like, I mean, a lot of time, uh, uh, what I've been now saying to people for in quick interview situations of like, what's your, um, what are your strengths? And I was like thriving in chaos, like <laughs> throwing, <laughs> throw me on top of a pile of garbage and I'll, I'll and I often get, I get a lot of, you know, I, I, if I'm lucky, I get a reference photo of what they're looking for. But a lot of the times it's a, you know, a pixelated mess that they just got off Google really quickly. But, um, I've, I'm, I'm tuning my own horn a lot on this call, but I've been able to interpret going like, I think I know what they want and just really quickly be like, I, you know, is this, what, is this it? Is this it? No, is this it? And Oh, that's it. Okay. Go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the real skill. That's the real skill to make something look, yeah. to make something look like it's uh cost a million dollars when it's held together with scotch tape and chewing gum. That's a very valuable skill in the, especially in TV and film. I would imagine restaurants, they don't want that as much, but in TV and film, that <laughs> is want, yeah. they, they, Or, you know, it's, it's, it's made with, um, yeah, glue or yeah, gum and stuff, but, um, it's, it's the way it's installed. It will last forever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's always amazing. Uh, the part that's always funny is um, you think you've anticipated what could break or what could go wrong, and um, thing and objects will fall apart <laughs> on a fundamental level that you didn't foresee somehow. <laughs> and, and you're like, "Oh, okay, that's another way. I didn't, I didn't know that could happen. Okay, <laughs> let me let me reassess that, and you know, all the different." What are another type of glue? Let me try another type of a hardener. Let me try another type of aircraft cable. Let me throw all those together at once, and then I think I, I I'll sometimes tend to like overwork something in terms of wanting it to like um. Let me do what 
primer and then another layer of paint and then another layer of paint. And then I've like given myself five extra steps that I didn't right. need to because I'm like, I'm trying to make it durable. Oh my God. And then it's 4.15 in the morning and you have a production meeting at six and you're like, why, why did I, why did I do this why to myself? Did I do this? <laughs> but then they come in and they're like, oh my God, here. you crushed it. It's better than we thought. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm the shit. Sorry, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny as I think, like, like feeling some confidence in myself is like a new, since that's a new sensation, my kind of then like inner, inner anxiety brain that's talking to me is always then trying to be like, you're being cocky. You're being a jerk. You're, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're, you need, you need to walk, walk it back. And well, and there's always that fine line of like, you're never done learning and there's always more you can learn. And there's always, people that have more experience and it's valuable to, to listen to them and learn and learn what you can. Um, but yeah, that's like a big thing. Uh, I feel in myself, um, is, and I, you know, kind of asking people like, you know, am I being cocky? Like, let me know if I'm coming off like a jerk <laughs> or, and I haven't gotten that feedback at all. Um, but yeah, I've just like, and it used to, the inner, inner head dialogue used to be like the impo- more of the imposter stuff of, you don't know what you're yeah. doing and they're going to find out and you're going to be gone. But now it's like, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. You're like, Oh, I guess it's like, I have a begrudging old man in my head. That's like, all right, kid, like you got some stuff in there, but like, take it easy. They don't, <laughs> you're, you're not as good as you think. <laughs> I know that feeling. I I waver only between self-pity and narcissism when it comes to my work. I'm either like, <laughs> I do the most innovative stuff anyone's ever done in comedy, or I'm like, no one likes it. Why did I waste my whole life? Those are my two extremes. There's never a party that's like, oh, I've made some funny stuff. It's pretty cool. Always with the inner monologue <laughs> that is not kind. I like those restaurants where the whole thing is that the staff are dickheads. You ever been to one of those where the people are just mean <laughs> to you? Like well, you, you started talking about the diner and I thought that's kind of where that was going. As, um, like, I don't know if Mel's in LA, wasn't that part of their gimmick? The Mel diner in LA. I've never been to Mel's. I'll have to check that out next time I'm out there. There's one in Chicago. Yeah, I thought it's like, oh, you go. go oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I thought that's, like, part of their whole gimmick is, like, it's, like, all right, sweetie, what do you want? Did you wash your hands when you went to the bathroom? Like, oh. <laughs> so they do, like, the old-timey, they do, like, an old-timey vibe, but it just turns into, like, mansplaining and subtle misogyny, that type of, like, calling you sweetie <laughs> all the time? No, I think it's, like, it's an old, you know, if if you're going for, like, potentially offensive terminology, it's, like, an old broad. Yeah. There yeah. She calls everyone sweetie, and then she's you know acting like you know some some uh, stereotypical fashioning of a mom who's being a nag or something. It's like, have you ever been to um, uh, what's called the Primetime Cafe down at Hollywood Studios in Orlando? Uh, no, I don't think so. Though that, I've been there a number of times. Yeah, there's um, it's yeah called the Prime uh, Primetime Cafe, and it's um 50s influence like 50s style but it's you're supposed to be in like um a 50s home 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. So instead of it being a diner, it's like it's you know I went there with my parents and they're like, oh my god, this is like all this is what our kitchen looked like and this is what our living room looked like and they have all the old vintage TVs like in every yeah. every corner of the restaurant playing all the old sitcoms and shows from the time and so your waitress is um, your like assigned mom for the meal and you know she's <laughs> so I think they when they call your name. Like the you know if if your last name is Jones, they're like the Jones kids, Jones kids. <laughs> Weird. Sit you down and kind of give you a hard time the entire time that you're that you're eating there. But it's you know it's always like super packed, of course. Disney World really manages to walk the Stepford Wives line, just on the comfortable oh, side yeah. of the line. Two two steps on the comfortable <laughs> side. There's if you yeah. that I wonder in your line of work is a theme park is that a good is that a thing people aim for or is that just super brutal because as far as building like fantasy scapes and themed stuff I would imagine there's endless work there yeah well so the, my like predominantly I've end up work working in theme parks so that's like my main line of work um, what and yeah it's absolutely you're what? just revealing this now <laughs> that's the info you were trying to hide that's the info you were trying to hide. You know, and you've worn me down, but no, I always, you know, like how much, but yeah, that's like the main, that's the main gig, man. <laughs> that's that's rad. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So it's like, we're building yeah. this, uh, we're building this thing and the entryway needs to look like a old miner's cave. I think that's, that's oh gosh, that's fun. I want to tell you so bad. One thing I've been, I've been doing because uh, I know you personally might would probably be really into it. Are you working on Galaxy's Edge? Are you working on Star Wars? You're not allowed. To, you've signed a million NDAs. You can't even tell me if you have. I can't. Yeah, exactly. I can't say anything. Oh! Oh! <laughs> you don't understand. I want to stay in that hotel. You're working on that hotel that makes you feel like you're living in Star Wars, aren't you? You can't say. You no. can't say. God, oh my God. Damn no. it. <laughs> That ho- you read about that hotel, right? Quote, read about, oh, yeah. i.e. you're yeah. building it by hand. And that whole Star Wars world, they're not even going to sell Coke products that say Coke on them. They're making up their own written language where you can tell it's Coke from the branding and the color scheme, but it won't even say Coke. You feel like you're in Star Wars. Ooh. You know, and I, what's funny is like, with that, I heard that was like a big battle back when they were like, I don't know, I just heard stories, but oh, like that was a big heard. battle with them. All that. With the Harry Potter stuff that J.K. Rowling was like, no Coke. Like, I don't want Coke. There's no Coke in Harry Potter. And that, so that was, yeah, a big thing they had to deal with. Are you really telling me with two minutes left that you work in a theme park specifically on stuff <laughs> that I would be obsessed over? And now with 30 seconds left, I never get to know if it's like Star Wars or Marvel or what. Because based on the things you know about me, it's something like that. Yeah, and I can't talk about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, what a tease. So frustrating. What a tease. <laughs> You're working on the Star Wars I... stuff. You're working on and you could have told me everything. I want to go so bad. I'm going later this year. I got to <laughs> dress up the little kid as Yoda and bring him down there, wear him like a backpack while I'm dressed like Luke. Oh, my God. Please wear him like a backpack. It's so great. Oh, thank you for talking. Oh, what a great tease at the end. <laughs> I've never been blue balled harder than this. (laughs) 
caller, how could you do that? It was, you're working on Galaxy's Edge. You're working on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And that whole time you were in your head going, should I just spill the beans? And I should have put the screws to you. It would have been the most downloaded episode of all time. All these Star Wars freaks would have done it. I dropped the ball. It's going to be so cool. Thank you, caller, for calling. All jokes aside, thank you. Cool conversation. Thank you, Jared. In the booth, I'd thank Harry, but he's off in L.A. like a hot shot right now. Thank you to Justin Linville. Thank you, Shellshag, for the music. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, chrisgeth.com. If you like the show, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review. really helps when you do. Thanks so much for listening. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, an extremely laid-back conversation about some extremely not laid-back things. You know, I just feel like I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And does anybody know? I mean, I guess, I don't know. Nah, definitely I like not. when my, when, yeah, I like when uh, my daughter's friends' parents also are just kind of winging it. And I'm yeah. like, hey, I like you. <laughs> anytime I anytime I meet someone who seems to express that like no I've got it pretty figured out I assume that they're a broken sociopath I assume that on the oh, inside they uh, are the craziest person I've ever been around that is the only explanation yeah that's next time on Beautiful and Honest